Welcome to Foundations of Emo, hosted by Claire and Danny. Each episode, we take one of our favourite bands and dive deep into their history and origins, reminiscing on our own emo roots along the way. Whoop whoop, super professional. Always such an achievement when you get it in one go. I, I think what's worse is that we were laughing up until two seconds before you had to read it. Yeah. So then that made me like. I'm like, don't look, don't look, don't yeah, look. Be serious. <laughs> Welcome to episode number who knows. I thought I knew, but then nah. now I'm on the spot and I haven't got a clue. No. So our big news. Okay, today. Jesus. She's starting. She's, oh, sorry. she's She is ready for business. <laughs> Did you want to say something else? No, I've seen that. Oh, sorry. But no. I didn't even say, like, hello. Oh. <laughs> and you were going for it. Sorry. Okay. Never mind. You can sorry. talk about some shit. You can talk about your big news. Not so, your big news, technically. My big news. It's a storm outside, guys. It's a storm outside. We can't help anything. What is this? I put on the lipstick because <laughs> I was like, fall vibes. <laughs> fall it's autumn vibes. now. Now, actually, I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, why do I not have any lips? So then I just put on a colour. And I look dead. <laughs> Literally look like a corpse. What's new? So the news that I was going to talk about was our good friend Jody Sinclair's new song. Jody, I really love it. Yeah, it's such a bop. So it's, catchy. It's so catchy. I've been singing it all day. Those of you who don't know, Jody Sinclair, um, he is our friend. He's released a new single today called Save Yourself. We love a good play on words we love a good pun it's very clever that's my jam we have linked it in our story well Danny has because I don't know how to do that because <laughs> I am so illiterate when it comes to anything to do with tech but if you like our podcast you will definitely like this song so go check them out yay and, go sorry the biggest thing about it is the drummer from Trivium plays the drums on it do you know what? I saw all Jody's posts that were like, me and my friend, like the best drummer ever and all. And I was like, he's been so nice to that guy. And I, I had no idea that it was the drummer from Trivium. Yeah, Alex Ben from Trivium. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. I know things about music and so all. So did I. I so I have a music that. podcast. <laughs> I actually had no idea. That's cool. That's Isn't pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. We'll give him that. We'll give him that. Any other news then? That was my no, page. nothing. We had so many gigs and holidays and everything in the last episode. And in this episode, we've just been going to work and then texting each other, being like, I'm so tired. Yeah. <laughs> Is today over yet? Oh my God, it's raining. It's <laughs> oh. just so exciting. I like to think that people think we have like probably a really cool chat going on and it's just us complaining about everything. It's just us texting. And oh, and it's me texting going, I'm sorry for moaning again. Thank you for listening to me moaning. <laughs> And me going, you listen to me moan all the time. <laughs> we so are we good friends. <laughs> We're fun to be around. Absolutely. <laughs> the happiest people you know. That's news. Indy's a teenager now. Oh, my child has become a teenager. I mean, she's five, but... um, Going on 13. I, I would like to tell my first Indy story on the podcast because I have many Indy stories about her cool personality. Not so cool this week when I was trying to get her to brush her teeth and she wasn't doing it. And then I eventually snapped and turned around and was like, we're not doing anything fun this weekend if you don't brush your teeth right now. And she turned around to me and said, what, mom? Is that supposed to make me cry? So yeah, five going on 15. It is a joy. I feel for you there. <laughs> Usually my indie stories are more fun. Like there was definitely one where I saw we were driving by like a fire brigade and there was all these firemen out and I was like, ooh, indie look, firemen. And she goes, yes, but where are the fire women? She, no, she is very like for the people, you know? She's like, a feminist she's... icon. <laughs> and also sassy. Oh, oh, the sass, the sass. I wonder where she gets it. Okay, so a day to remember. Day to remember. This is the first podcast where I'm going to put a trigger warning at the start for 
rape and sexual assault and manslaughter also <laughs> that's coming like way later in the episode but I feel like I feel like all of our episodes should have had a trigger warning at the start I was like this just took a turn oh my god everything <laughs> just got so serious like we're doing a music podcast and every single one ends up having some like really weird stuff in it so let's just put the trigger warning at the start in case you're prepared for like a fun-filled podcast oh yeah not us i mean fun, it'll be the fun. only fun-filled one really i feel like when you go back on them was good charlotte yeah it's just a nice so wholesome. wholesome episode apart from joel was a bit of a pedo in the end but, oh yeah. yeah no one is safe oh never mind no one is safe <laughs> okay let us get started so i have a confession yeah. I, um, I only made it to four. Four albums. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you can leave. <laughs> if anyone wants to be my podcast host, let me know. I'm There's in the market. There's so much between Jody's new song and A Day to Remember and like, you know, my crime podcast. <laughs> I thought you were saying you're crying. My crying? I don't have time to listen because I'm too busy crying. I can't hear in between all the tears. <laughs> My crying. <laughs> okay, let us get started. <laughs> so, A Day to Remember are a rock band from Ocala, Florida, formed in 2003 by guitarist Tom Denny. Tom played guitar from the age of 10 and at this time played in a band called Two Days Too Late with the number two. I like that. Because it, cool. it makes it cooler, you know what I mean? Yep. Tom called vocalist Jeremy McKinnon, who was in a ska band called All for Nothing at the time, and asked if he fancied starting a new band. Just a little bit about Jeremy. His parents are originally from Brooklyn, New York, but he grew up in Ocala, Florida, and is of Italian and Irish descent. Whoop, whoop. Aren't they all, though? Yeah, I mean, in that American way. That's like, my great-great-great-great-granddad is Irish. He first worked in a fast food restaurant, but went on to do construction work. I included this because if you see him, he is like a little tiny boy. He's like 5'7 or something. Is he? I always he is just this little guy. He's quite like broad, no? Yeah. yeah. He's just, he's a little powerhouse when you see him live. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was so funny thinking about him doing construction with his little like low slung pants probably, <laughs> like backwards cap. <laughs> he was hanging out with a friend's band, which is how he became interested in music. And he would often get in trouble in school and in response would write music about it. So that's kind of how his music career started. So the drummer Bobby Scruggs from Tom's other band started hanging with them and eventually joined too. The three of them wrote a song which Jeremy said was better than everything our other bands had come up with. And so they officially became a band named End of an Era, which they found in a TV guide in Tom's house. But they hated the name and quickly changed it to A Day to Remember. Which is also the name of a movie, so I feel like maybe they got that from a TV guide as well. But I, cool, I didn't yeah. find anything online about where they got that name. The band's original rhythm guitarist and bassist didn't work out, so was replaced with guitarist Neil Westfall and bassist Joshua Woodard. The band went on to play seven shows in their first year touring. Neil was also a member of Two Days Too Late and Joshua was a fan of theirs. So the band self-released a five-track EP called Halos for Heroes, Dirt for the Dead in 2004, which they sold at their gigs. The record is written in Jeremy's garage and was recorded all in one day. They posted samples of several of the songs online at the same time. There were only 2,000 copies made and the band have stated in recent times that they will never re-release it. Oh. So it's like, if you didn't hear it then, <laughs> you're never going to hear it. Sucks for you. So in January 2005, they went on to release their self-titled second EP, that's extended play, Claire, which features, <laughs> which features six demo songs. This led to them being signed by Indianola the following month. They had been introduced to the band's pure volume account by a mutual friend. So they got signed like on their second EP. Fairly quick. Which is, yeah, pretty cool because they were playing, I think, like tiny venues at this time and it was kind of like local kids knew them, but they weren't like anybody. Big, big. So in May 2005, they released their debut album and their name was Treason. 
Several of the songs in this album were written when the band were teenagers and is recorded in the producer Andrew Wade's bedroom in his parents' house. So it's credited in the album booklet as The Wade Studio, which I just think oh, is so, so cute. cute. It's like we record here in the O'Brien studio. Yeah. <laughs> so the recording took place over about three days. They recorded the whole album and it features audio clips from different movies such as Donnie Darko and Shaun of the Dead. You Should Have Killed Me When You Had The Chance is one of the first songs that the band ever wrote. But the album went on to sell over 10,000 copies. That's massive. Have you listened to this album? I did listen to this one. It's good. It is good. I feel like you can tell that it's... When you read that to say that it was... Were you about to say you can tell it was written in there? In the Red Rooms? Yeah. What? Yeah, is that what you're going to say? No, what were you going to say? What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, God. No, I was going to say, you can just tell that they're young and like that it's their first album. Like I just think like it does really give those vibes. Oh, so I was going to say, it does give me vibes of, like, put together in somebody's bedroom. Not in a bad way, though. Like, yeah. in that young kind of demo-y way. I think it's very decent for what it is. Yeah. Like, it is good. Especially with it being their first album and being put together in their friend's bedroom. Like, I think it's a really good album based on that. But, like, you can still tell it's young. <laughs> the movie clips threw me because I was listening to it in the gym and then all of a sudden there'd be these, like, clips. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> So for the summer of 2005 and then throughout October, November, the band toured the US to promote the album. Jeremy's parents paid for their tour vehicles. <laughs> Shortly before one of the tours, Bobby the drummer said that he wasn't going. So in January 2006, they posted online that they needed a new drummer and eventually they recruited Alex Shelna to replace him. When asked to join, Alex said, ask my mom, as he was only 15 at the time. <laughs> Oh my god, that is so cute. No, he was a little baby. I love the fact he even said, ask my mom. He wasn't like, yeah, man. He was like, no. <laughs> Fuck my parents. He's like, no, can you ask my mom, please? I need permission. That's so, so he joined the band only three days before they went on tour. Like, what a whirlwind. Yeah, you're a 15 year old child and you're going on tour like three days later. How would you learn the songs? He must have been good. <laughs> so bassist Joshua Woodard had a friend who told him he had the AIM scream name of someone. Did I say scream name? <laughs> I feel like I said scream name. Bassist Joshua Woodard had a friend who told him he had the AIM screen name of someone working at Victory Records. Joshua didn't believe him but started messaging him anyway. They communicated for about six months and it turned out that a day to remember were going to be playing a show in Illinois that the guy was going to be filming at. Cool. Which is just like weird. Like he was filming another band but a day to remember were going to be playing. So they'd never played there before but there were 50 to 60 kids singing along to every single word which is like the dream. Imagine that. In a band. And the guy from Victory Records asked them to do a showcase for the record label and they were signed. Wow. So they'd already left Indianola as, at this stage as they felt that the label couldn't take them to the next level. They wanted to sign to a bigger label. Cause, fair enough. I mean, I'd never heard of Indianola, so oh, I think they're pretty like small. Something your daughter would start. <laughs> That's her record. Yeah. <laughs> Soon after signing to Victory Records, they entered Zing Studios to record their <laughs> second album, For Those Who Have Heart. Before the album's release in January 2007, the band put a few of the songs onto their MySpace page. In March, the band released the music video for the plot to bomb the panhandle, which features Ron Jeremy. When I first read this, I was like, Ron Jeremy? Like, how did they get him to be in their video? Because they were basically just signed to the Victory yeah. Records and, you know, like, people, wouldn't have people didn't know them. But then I feel like Ron Jeremy would do anything. <laughs> well, if you pay people enough, they'd probably do anything. Do you know who Ron Jeremy is? No, I don't know. <laughs> Okay. I, I was like, it started the conversation. I was like, I don't know if she knows what this no, is. No, I was like, I don't know who this he's, is. Oh my God, he's famous for something really weird. Something to do with porn. Google him there. Well, that's probably what I don't know. We all know him. No, but like everyone knows him because... Because? Because of something porny. <laughs> <laughs> he's porny. Ron, Ron Jeremy Paul. News. Here we go. 
He's found not competent to stand trial for multiple rape charges. Cool. Nice guy. Porn performer. Yeah, he's like a famous porn star. I, <laughs> when I was in LA, I went to... <laughs> Where's this going? I can't even remember the name of the bar. It was some like dive rock bar that like Motley Crue used to drink at. So obviously I had to go there when I was in LA. And he was there. I saw him with my own eyeballs. Oh, what was he doing? And there was a moment where I was like, will I get a picture? And then I was oh, like, no. Then I was like, no, he gives me the creeps too hard. It looks so gross. Look at the photo from there. Yeah, yeah. He actually looks like he'd have someone hidden in his basement. Mm, probably does. I saw him. Oh, you know what? I'm glad I don't know who he is. <laughs> so yeah, he, so he featured in the video. The band went on to play at a Victory Records showcase event at South by Southwest Festival and then went on tour with Drop Dead Gorgeous and then Alisana. They're love back again. <laughs> they supported the sleeping on their US oh, tour. I love the I love the sleeping. Because we saw them at the Victory Records we tour. Did. And then Silverstein on theirs. Oh. And then they went on the 2007 Victory Records tour. That must have been the year after. I think that was the year that we went. But they didn't play like the... Could have been, yeah. Our date. Yeah. So in Feb... <gasps> That's the day we met. No, it's not. Never mind. Is it? Yeah. Is that the day we met? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Do you want to make out? This <laughs> <laughs> took a turn. <laughs> So in February 2008, the following year, the album was reissued with new cover art and four bonus tracks. One of the bonus tracks was a new song recorded especially for the reissue, which is called Why Walk on Water When We've Got Boats. Two re-recorded songs from their first album and a cover of Kelly Clarkson's Since You've Been Gone. Classic. <laughs> they do have like the long track names. Oh, yeah. They're giving me follow-up yeah. vibes, like, love it. When I saw that um, on the album, the Since You've Been Gone... I was like, surely that's not Kelly Clarkson. And then it came on, I was like, yeah, it is. How did you not know that they, they... had a cover? Yeah. I know nothing about this band. Like, that was the song that introduced me to them, I think. No, the only It was song everywhere I... when it came out. No, don't remember. So good. I listened to that and then I think, like, I was seeing somebody who was really into them and we went to see them in the Academy, which I thought was in around 2009, 2010. But when I Googled it, it was coming up 2011, which doesn't make sense for, like, the timeline of my life, but... <laughs> Apparently, they played the Academy in Nothing 2011. makes sense for the timeline of my life when I look it up and I'm like, really? <laughs> Is that then? But like, I didn't know their songs enough. And I remember I really enjoyed the gig, but I was really sad because I was like, I would have loved this if I knew the yeah. songs, but I didn't know the songs. And that's kind of like when I did start listening to them. I went and bought their album after that and I listened to them a lot, but I couldn't like recapture going to see them live. I think I've seen them live at Leeds Festival. Okay. But I... I would like one of my friends to confirm this. Did I see them? Because <laughs> Comment I, below. Did Claire ever see a day to remember? I feel like, because all the like the guys are really into them. When I just when I think of a day to remember, I just think of all them. And I feel like we might have seen them, but I was either a too drunk or b didn't care enough mm. to know that I was seeing them. Yeah, I'm sure they were good if I saw them though. <laughs> they are very good live. Memorable. Since You've Been Gone had previously been released on their MySpace page in September 2007. Jeremy explained why they chose that song in particular. He said, we thought it would embody what we were as a band by taking like the poppiest thing ever and still making it hard enough to where kids fight at our shows over it, which I just thought was a really good <laughs> description. The reissued album also featured a bonus DVD. They reissued this album because Victory asked if they were ready to record a new album and they said no. <laughs> So in July 2008, they released a music video for Since You've Been Gone. Interesting. Did you listen to this album? I did. What do you think? Um, still, I don't know. I was just waiting for it to get to like what I consider peak A Day to Remember, which is the next album. Yeah. I think this and Homesick, the next one, like are close. Yeah. I love both of them. They're my two favourite albums. They're doing like the big 
hard choruses, the heavy choruses, and then like nice singing, the catchy, poppy, all of it. I liked the, um, whatever the song you mentioned there, the big long one with the pan. The plot to, ban- to bomb the panhandle. Yes. Yeah, I like that song. Good job. So in October 2008, a remastered version of their first album, and their name was Treason, was released through Victory Records. This version was titled Old Record and featured new cover art, which is like the band as old people. It's like a cartoon of them all, like as little old people in a home. Oh. A rearranged track listing and re-recorded instrumentation. Why did they do that? Like to me, I'm like, they released an album and then a second album, then reissued the second album, then re-released the first album. I'm like, what? What is going on here? I like, guess, it's weird. Yeah, sometimes bands might do that if they're like, oh, well, nobody heard our first albums because we weren't big enough. But seriously? Yeah, no, I think it's it's weird. And I I listened to it because I, I had listened to... Uh, and their name was Treason a couple of times. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, let me listen to this and see if I can see a difference. And honestly, I couldn't. Like, it still has the parts from the movies on it. Yeah. It's just that they, like, put the tracks in different order. And, like, re-recorded else. them yeah, yeah, so yeah. that they were, like, slightly more polished. But I don't think the first album sounds that unpolished, to be fair. And, the, yeah. And there's not enough of a difference between the two to re-release. Like, there's no point again. to it. I really don't think there's any point to it at all. So they re-released this album because apparently the original version was difficult to get in stores. Like, I don't know, the only way that I read this, and like, I didn't read it anywhere. <laughs> I mean, read it in my own head. But I'm just like, Victory Records trying to make money. That's all I see is like yeah, a cash grab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can't see any other reason for it. So five years later, in an interview, Jeremy said that the band were under pressure to re-record the album within a few days because of Victory's owner, Tony Brummel. And he said he was utterly ashamed as he felt that they had butchered it. But you said it sounds the exact same. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I thought that was interesting as well. And that also made me think that it was all just pressure from the label yeah. and not like a passion project of yeah, theirs. Yeah, yeah, So later that same month, the band recorded their third album, Homesick, which was released in February 2009. This album was produced by Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory and mixed by Adam Dukovic of Killswitch Engage. <laughs> Adam <coughs> of Killswitch Engage. <laughs> The album features guest vocals from Mike Ranica from The Devil Wears Prada, Vincent Bennett from The Acacia Strain, and Sierra Kusterbeck from Versa Emerge. I'm telling you. She's back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeremy stated that they wanted this album to be heavier and poppier while also taking things to the next level. I feel like they accomplished I that. I think, yeah, definitely. I would say Such a good album. Jesus. And like, I've been enjoying listening to it so much. And then I'm trying to listen to the rest of their back catalogue, but I'm like, I'll just put that one in Yeah, again. I just wanted to get to this album. So when I got to this album, then I was like, man, I'm done. <laughs> Jeremy wrote the riff to Downfall of Us All, which is absolute Let's go. While driving to his mom's house. So apparently he was just like driving along and then he just started being like, and he got into her house and he immediately picked up an acoustic guitar and like wrote the riff and he wrote the whole song in um about two days that's talent for you imagine that song just coming to you because like that is just such a classic song yeah so good so they went on to tour the uk europe and then the us before the tour guitarist tom denny broke his wrist so kevin scaff formerly of four letter lie replaced him four letter lie do i know them the name is really familiar but i don't know if i've ever listened to them Hmm. So they then contributed a song for Punk Goes Pop 2, which is a cover of the phrase Over My Head, Cable Car. Don't know it. Oh my God, you do. Everyone knows over my head. You do know it. Okay. Take your word for it. <laughs> you have seen A Day to Remember Live and you do know this song. Okay. So that's your life. <laughs> you know, it's actually a really good cover as well because it just gave me an absolute flashback. I think I had that 
like physical CD of Punkos Pop <gasps> 2. You have all the physical feet. I have a lot of physical yeah. CDs. Physical CDs. But I, I started listening to it on Spotify and like all the songs, I remember them. Yes. Some, it's a really good album actually. So in June, they announced that Tom Denny had left the band because he wanted to focus on his marriage, family and recording studio. Boo. <laughs> Boring. So he would continue. I think this is really cute now. He would continue to contribute to the band's writing process. So Kevin Scaff became a permanent member as his replacement. The band had to then pull out of the 2009 Reading Leeds Festival as Neil Westfall needed surgery. Wait, they pulled out of the Reading Leeds Festival? Is that the one you were so at? <laughs> oh my god, my mind is blown. If any of my friends are listening, please tell me, did I see them? <laughs> so in September 2009, they did their first headlining tour, which they called the Pulling Your Pud Tour. Which, I don't know what that means, but to me it sounds like a touching your wiener. <laughs> I was like, how do I say this politely? <laughs> that's it? That's what you oh, gave Oh man, I fucking pulled the put off myself last night. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's all I think of. Oh. Maybe that's me. And it was with Parkway Drive, In Fear and Faith and Icy Stars, who you may remember from our Escape the Fate episode. Yes. Because Escape that, well, Ronnie was absolutely horrible to that band. So... Here they are again. I thought I'd give them a little shout out. I've still never listened to them in my life, but anyway. Sorry, I'm just looking at this timeline and I'm like, I was far too young back then. That was definitely not when I went to Leeds. (laughs) Never mind. So after which they supported Bring Me the Horizon with August Burns Red on their UK and Europe tour. And in December, they released a holiday single called Right Where You Want Me To Be. I actually didn't listen to that song, but it said holiday themed song or something like that that I don't know if it's like actually a Christmas song or it's just like Christmas vibes they all do a Christmas song yeah it really is a recurring theme which is kind of weird it's not something I think of I never listen to them no. if they have a Christmas song I skip past it I'm I mean like, I might listen in December, December yeah. <laughs> but I'm not listening in August <laughs> so they continued the tour and Victory Records announced that their fourth studio album What Separates Me From You would be released in October 2010 they finished recording it in July which had Gilbert producing it yet again alongside Andrew Wade which I think is cute. They're still that pals with cute. Wave yeah. Studio guy. Vocalist Jeremy uh, produced it as well. He's actually produced like several things according to his Wikipedia page, like different albums for different bands as well oh, as cool. his own. So it's made up of songs the band describe as pop punk with a darker edge dun, dun, dun. and other heavier songs as well. This is where they all go to the heavier side. Yeah. this, this I do feel like this album is a bit heavier. I feel like it strays from the path a little bit. It's not like classic A Day to Remember like what I think of is Homesick and the other one <laughs> they have such long names they need catchy names like Homesick so I can think them off the top of my head so the album booklet advises that the album was recorded in three places number one the Wade Studios in Ocala, Florida like the house? yeah like I don't know if he upgraded that studio or it's still his bedroom I figured he must have upgraded number two the back of a bus with no AC in Germany <laughs> And number three, a closet in New Jersey. Oh, that's so clever. I like that. <laughs> that's cute. So in September 2010, they revealed the name of the album and the cover art, as well as opening pre-orders for it. The cover art of this is like a crowd scene kind of thing. And there's like people, it's cartoons, but like they're obviously of people. One of the people is the ex-guitarist Tom Denny, is ah. one of those people. Also, the video director, Drew Russ, who directed one of their videos. And also Chad Gilbert is one of the people oh, as well. So it's actually cute. The album's release got pushed back until November and a listening party was held in the Hard Rock Hotel in Chicago for a small number of fans, followed by a Q&A session with the band. So they released three singles from this album, All I Want, All Signs Point to Fort Lauderdale, and It's Complicated. All Signs Point to Fort Lauderdale is also an absolute bop. I do know that one because it's on there. It's the one that's like, I hate this town. It's like me in Dublin. The album received generally positive reviews with all music saying 
It's whiny, petulant, immature, hopeless and thoroughly addicting as the 10 songs contained within the gatefold packaging are as immaculately crafted and engaging as they are blindingly self-absorbed. Which is, you know, positive and negative. It's like giving a bit of everything. (laughs) While Dan Rankin of Blair magazine said the album was essentially just another fat kid on the already rusty trampoline that is this genre. Now, was he wrong? (laughs) Okay. I just thought that was the most insane fucking... That is so fucking mean. Dan Rankin, where are you now? Are you listening to this podcast? You better be. Why do you hate fat people? This trampoline kept going. This trampoline's back in the year 2023. (laughs) And we're bouncing on it, bro. back. Yeah. (laughs) In January 2011, they released the music video for All I Want, which features ex-guitarist Tom Denny. No, wait, listen. It features so many people. Do you know this music video? No. I didn't know it until literally a few weeks ago. And then someone was like, how have you never seen this video? And I was like, I don't know. I don't watch music videos. So it features ex-guitarist Tom Denny. It's like he never he's left cute. the band, yeah, honestly. I hope he gets royalties. He's like, he's in everything. Pete Wentz. Of course. He's also in everything. Yeah. Winston McCall of Parkway Drive. The Devil Wears Prada. Bring Me the Horizon. Sam Carter of Architects. Love him. Dallas Taylor from Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. Who he was also, he used to be in Under Oath. Silverstein. Oh. Andrew WK. Oh. August Burns Red. Oh, fuck. Seventh Star. What is this music video? Like, it's just all the band, all these different bands. Uh, Matt Heafy of Trivium. Oh. Vic Fuentes of Pierce the Veil. Oh, yes. Mike Herrera of MXPX. Vincent Bennett of The Acacia Strain. Vera and Setra Goals. Christ. Do you think they all just went, like... I think they, they were anything? just called, like, all of their friends. And were like, do you want to be in our video? And they were like, sure. Pete Wentz was like, I'll be anywhere. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say Travis Barker. He's on Oh my good. god, yeah. He was probably like hiding in the background. Yeah. <laughs> if you pause at like one minute 25, He's you can see his, his eyes. <laughs> that month, the band also made their TV debut appearing on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Is this where all bands like go yeah. to die? No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's, it's a rite of passage. You go on Jimmy Kimmel if you're a bit up and coming rock band. Yeah. And then in March, they went on the Game Changers tour to promote the album with support from Bring Me the Horizon, Pierce the Veil, and We Came as Romans. <gasps> that is like a great tour. Yeah. And they also played the 2011 Warp Tour. I wish we could go to Warp Tour. I wish they'd bring it back just for yeah. us. Just for us. So in December 2011, it was announced that the band were filing a lawsuit against Victory Records due to breach of contract. Everyone files a lawsuit against Victory Records. Yeah. And this is, again, throws me back to like, yeah, they are just like cash grabbers from Mm -hmm. the beginning. So I feel like I don't get good vibes. Even though when I think of Victory Records in my head, I just have good memories. of. I just think of all the good bands that came from them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think of the gig we went to. Yeah. So they say that Victory owed them over $75,000 in royalties. However, Victory Records stated that the band were only filing the lawsuit to get out of their five album contracts so that they could sign with a major label. Is that true? Who knows? Hmm. So in May 2012, A Day to Remember announced that their fifth studio album would be called Common Courtesy. On December 3rd, they released a countdown on their website to December 21st because it's my birthday. (laughs) And then on December 21st, their whole website was just like, happy birthday, Danny. And I was like, you guys. Okay. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's incorrect. <laughs> so they released the countdown to December 21st, but they didn't say what they were counting down to. Like there was just a... So it could a, have been your birthday. Yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> so they were just counting down. And then on that date, they released the single Violence, Enough is Enough. And I don't even like that song, which honestly, not cool, guys. Not cool. In January 2013, they announced that their next tour would be called the Right Back At It Again Tour. 
They announced bits and pieces about the album and then played new track right back at it again while on the tour. So in April, they stated that they did not know a release date for the album and that they did not know if it would be released through Victory Records as the lawsuit was still being settled. In August, they finally announced that the album would be released in October and began to release webisodes to tie in with the album throughout August and September. What's a webisode? Like little online episodes, like behind the scenes kind of thing. I watched actually a couple of like behind the scenes videos of theirs from like bonus DVDs and that kind of thing. And in the comments, loads of people were like, where are the webisodes? Does anyone have them? Oh, so I actually don't think you can find them online. Yeah. So only a few days before the release date, they won the rights to self-release it. Jeremy said, the only thing Victory held above us was the right to put out this album and we won the right to put it out ourselves. Now it can go to a jury and good luck having a jury of random people agree that two live albums that are sold separately not count as an album. Good luck with that. Wait, I don't understand. Explain. I think because they were in a five contract deal, but I think like the band were kind of fighting like, well, okay. The two live albums The live us. albums are, are albums and stuff like that. So oh. it just, it was a funny little statement. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so they originally released the album digitally and then the following month released a physical copy through their own label, ADTR Records. Jeremy described the album as a reflection on our history on how small town kids playing music that doesn't really make sense to the world ended up on the main stages of some of the biggest music f- festivals around the world. They recorded the album in Jeremy's home studio, which he had purposely built for this record. The band said the album has more heavy songs than their last two albums combined, and critics called it a classic ADTR record in every sense. There were two singles, Right Back At It Again and End Of Me. And seeing as I did not listen to this one, do you agree with that? I don't necessarily like this album, to be honest. I don't. There's like some parts of it that are a lot poppier than their usual and there's some parts that are very heavy and like I don't think they find the balance that they found on other albums I, I don't know like it was it was okay like it was one of those situations yet again where I was like the album's not bad but it's not what I want to listen to when I want to yeah. listen to a day to remember yeah they toured for most of 2014 and 2015 and then in March 2016 they released a new single Paranoia and in June another single called Bad Vibrations alongside an announcement that that would be the name of their forthcoming sixth studio album To write this album, they went to a cabin in the woods in Colorado and all collaborated on the writing process. They eventually wrote 40 songs. I think it was in about a month they wrote 40 songs. So usually Jeremy had some material pre-written. So this was the first time this had happened since For Those Who Have Heart. That like the whole band got together and all wrote together as opposed to like something being already written. So the original bridge for the song Turn Off the Radio was supposed to be a rap featuring the rapper Rick Ross. However, he asked if the band were Satanists and apparently he was told yes by someone because they never heard from him again. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so funny. It's such a classic, like, oh, those guys are wearing yeah. black. They must worship Satan. <laughs> so the album was produced by Bill Stevenson of Descendants, who, was pro- who has produced a lot of Rise Against albums as well as others by Black Flag and Descendants. So I actually read this before I listened to the album and I was expecting a more punk sound, mm. like based on you like would, Black Flag and Descendants and stuff like that. Yeah. But like I found no punk on it whatsoever. Uh, punk get you. <laughs> so Jeremy said he went into the studio with very little material that he was excited about. But Bill was really hard to read when they first started working with them. So they all subconsciously pushed themselves to impress him. And mm. the end result was an album where they felt that they gave everything they had. Which I just think is really cute. That is cute. The album was released in September 2016 through ADTR Records in collaboration with Epitaph Records. It debuted at number two on the Billboard charts, which was their highest charting yeah, wow. ever. 
and it had six singles, which is insane. Basically the whole album, yeah. Paranoia, Bad Vibrations, Bullfight, Naivety, We Got This, and Same About You. Again, not really a big fan of this album. I like Common Courtesy more than I like this one. It's just like, not them to me. Yeah. It's not. And that song Naivety, I'm like, no spoilers. It's not my song to skip. It was close. But um, I don't know, when he was singing it, I was listening on the bus and I was like, what is he saying? I was like, I can't even make it out because he's like, never <laughs> I was like, what? And then when I looked at the name of the song, I was like, oh, that's what he's saying. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, no, this song, uh, like, it has some moments. So I was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so in June 2019, EDM producer Marshmello released a collab with a date to remember called Rescue Me, which was their first new release in three years. This is actually a fucking bop. Is it? And I saw them play it live and it was so good. Random. So two months later, they released the single Degenerates and announced that they had signed with Fueled by Ron. Everyone always finds a feel broke. No, they yeah. don't. But I feel like full circle, full circle. Yeah, we're coming back. So they played a small free show in House of Vans, London in August 2019 and announced the name of their seventh album, which is called You're Welcome. <laughs> I was like, they're like, here's the album. You are welcome. <laughs> it was slated for release in November 2019. However, this was pushed back due to delays with mixing and artwork. The album actually didn't end up being released until March 2021, which like is crazy. August 2019, they announced the name. And March 2021 it was released. And now, I don't know if COVID probably oh, yeah. had an effect in the middle But when you were going through the albums there, I was like, how are we already on album number six and it's only like 20 whatever? <laughs> I feel like they, there was a big squish of albums and then they stopped. Yeah, then they slowed down. So they released a heap of singles in the meantime in that like year a and a half. Of them. <laughs> that year and a half between the time the album was announced and yeah. then the time it was actually released they just were like guess we'll put out a single <laughs> and even like on the anniversary of the day it was supposed to be released originally they would just release a single because they still didn't have it ready a year later five singles they released were Degenerates Resentment Mind Reader Brick Wall and Everything We Need you did, did you, oh you did I listen did listen to this, this I actually this is the first one I listened to what are your thoughts what, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay now in English what were your thoughts um, so I don't know I was just really hung up on the degenerates and I was like is that really offensive do you know I when I listened to that song I was like mm, I don't know if I like that word very much yeah but then it's what's the song is saying like all oh, my friends are degenerates it's degenerates yeah and then I was like that would be kind of cool for like a little collage of me and Claire being like haha my friends are degenerates but then it's like liars hypocrites and all and I was like on, no I don't think I like this song let's rewind <laughs> Oh, cool. This has put me on a poster with degenerates. I'm always thinking about the cunt. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't like thrilled by this, do you know? It's, yeah, I was not feeling this one at all, no. really. So in January 2022, they released a remix of Reentry. So like it kind of had six singles because it was like those five. And then after they released uh, yeah. it, they released a remix of one of the songs off it. So the album was produced by Colin Britton who was produced for Papa Roach, Dashboard Confessional and Five Seconds of Summer. The album is said to have no, to have more of a pop punk slash pop sound and NME described it as a mishmash of sounds and moanly, moany lyrics. That's such a lazy description. A mishmash of sounds. Isn't that essentially what everything is? Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people play different uh, <laughs> instruments all at the same time and it kind of like makes a tune. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I wasn't feeling that album. I No, so I started with that album because I thought, I don't know, for some reason I thought I'd be real smart and start with the last one and then go back to the first one. I don't know why I did that. 
Maybe subconsciously I knew I wasn't going to make it to the last one. So I was <laughs> listening a few. So now this is where we take the turn, guys. Oh, okay. This is the part in every episode where we hold our breath or if you want to knock it off because you don't want to hear bad things. That's cool too. <laughs> so in October 2021, they announced that the bassist Joshua Woodard had left the band. So he was a founding member. He's been there from the start. Like, to be fair... This band as a whole has been pretty consistent. Actually, yeah, now that you've said that. At the very start, like, they lost the drummer and got Alex Shelnut yeah. in instead of Bobby Scruggs. And but even your man who left was always hanging around. Yeah, Tom yeah. Denny left, but then was still part of the band. So, like, it's actually a really big deal mm. that Joshua announced he was leaving. So his statement was thus. He said, In the summer of 2020, I released a statement addressing false allegations that were made against me online. At the time, with the pandemic and my daughter on the way, I personally decided to pause legal proceedings against the accuser once the post was removed. These accusations have unfortunately resurfaced within the last few days, and I must act accordingly. It is not fair to my bandmates and brothers to be attached to, sorry, for them to be attached to or targeted because of any of this, so I've made the decision to step down from my position in the band as of today. I'll be leaving tour to be with my family and continue to defend my innocence in these matters. I know who I am and who I am not. I admit wholeheartedly that I am not a perfect person and I have made mistakes in life. I'm not a perfect person. (laughs) So I strive every day. I'm given to be a better person, husband, father, bandmate and friend. I appreciate those who supported me and defended my name against the lies being spread and I'm sorry to those who've been negatively affected by them. This decision is the furthest thing from what I want, but it is unfortunately what is best. Being a member of a a day to remember has been the greatest honour and I'm so thankful for the past 18 years. So, then I obviously had to look into what was all this about. In June and July of 2020, multiple women came forward and accused him of various incidents of sexual misconduct. It was really hard to find the allegations online. I spent a long time looking and I think like he did have like legal a legal team involved. So I think a lot of people took them down or were told to take them down or whatever it was. So I found like something, but I didn't find a lot of things. But I... Like, what I was reading was at various incidents, but then I could only find, like, yeah, one. Yeah, so we don't know how many. So one tweet that one of the allegations said was, I was 16 years old when Joshua Woodard from the band Date Remember invited me to hang out with him after his show that I didn't attend because he didn't want his band members knowing my age. He asked his tour manager to keep my, my best friend company in the other room. I was wasted and he proceeded to fuck me. So he would have been 25 at the time and she was 16. I just think this is so gross. Yeah. So I found another tweet and I don't know if it's the same girl or if this is like someone different. Mm. But this was like a more recent tweet saying to clarify what happened to me after I came out with what he did to me. He hired a PI to come to my home, harassed me with phone calls, served me a lawsuit. He thought I wouldn't do shit, but I hired a lawyer. My lawyer responded to his petition with a detailed statement about what he did. Once the statement I made reached his lawyer, they dismissed the lawsuit the day before court as I can only assume it's because he didn't want my statement about him raping me to be public record. She continued, I hope that clears some of this up for y'all. Oldest move in the rapist playbook. I just, I'm just like, I feel like we've heard this so many times. Yeah. And there's weird, like I spent so much time trying to find like more stories, more allegations, yeah. like what has come out since. And a lot of people, they definitely didn't believe I think the first girl, I don't know if it's her because it's really hard to like link if, mm. if that's the allegation. But one girl who did say that he raped her, they discredited her because she said people from other bands had raped her as well. And then people were like, she would never go to another show if she was raped. And I was like, okay, that's an assumption. I don't know. So she's been discredited. But the thing is that there are multiple 
cases of it. Yeah. Multiple allegations. Yeah, there's always so multiples. You know, if, if it was, was one, one, you know, maybe questionable, but like, I just feel like if there is that many, yeah, it's based on something. So according to what I could find online, a lot of people said there were rumours and allegations against him as far back as 2011 or 2012. And he would have been what age? I don't know what age he would have been back then. But like, we're talking like 10, 12 years, these allegations have been yeah. going on. Or 10 years at least since like the, the newer allegations yeah, came yeah. out. And there was, there used to be a revenge porn website called Is Anyone Up? I've heard it of It sounds this. vaguely familiar to me, but I... Is this not... No, was there a Netflix documentary about this? I don't know. I feel like there was. I just, I was reading like all these Reddit threads trying to get to the bottom yeah. of this. And then everyone was like, oh yeah, that was on Is Anyone Up? And then I had to Google, what is Is Anyone yeah, Up? Yeah, Which made me feel very old. I usually know online references. But um, yeah, so it was a, re- a revenge porn website. But apparently like years ago, they outed him on that website for sending dick pics to underage girls. Do you know what always makes me suspicious is a statement where he was like, I'm not a perfect person by any means. It's like, what are you trying to admit to here? I feel like he, that was probably reference to the dick pics because like, I mean, there was yeah photographic evidence yeah, of yeah. that yeah from all those years ago. So like people knew he was a creep since then. Uh, and then like the allegations just kept coming. Oh, yeah. So it gets weirder. Great. So around the same time in 2021, so around the time that the story kind of broke, the newer story, it came out that he had also been involved in a fatal car collision back in 2017. In 2017, when it happened, the story was only reported locally and nobody kind of picked it up. Yeah. So no one knew about it. But then when this came out, I feel like obviously people were like Googling him and stuff. And then this, this came out. A music magazine picked it up four years later in 2021. So the story was he was driving in Palm Beach County, Florida, when his car unexpectedly crossed over three lines of traffic and hit another car, killing the 24-year-old driver, Bryant Gonzalez Ortiz, at the scene. So that happened in May 2017, and in June, he headed on a European tour with a day to remember. Oh my god, I would be absolutely traumatised. Yeah, that uh, the timing for me is like, Christ. Like... You literally kill somebody. But how is he allowed to leave the country? It's, I don't know. It's weird as well because there was like law stuff involved here. So the way it works is that in Florida, any person who's cited for an accident that causes death or seriously bo- serious bodily injury must appear in court. So he was taken to court because that was, yeah. he killed somebody. So he was found guilty of careless driving in December 2017 and he lost his license for 12 months. He was also given a $1,000 fine and ordered to pay $106 in mandatory co- court costs. Sorry, is that it? He paid 1000 thousand dollars for killing someone are you actually joking me no and it was weird because a lot of things i was reading were saying they don't understand how he didn't get like some jail time yeah. or something because he killed somebody and like he crossed over three lanes of traffic it's not like he went whoops <laughs> lane. he went over a full three lanes what was yeah. he doing i don't know but that makes me think like was he drinking was he on yeah. drugs like and why was that not found and then why was that not taken into account in the lawsuit like driving under the influence or you know yeah i don't know it's actually crazy bananas that i didn't know that so the father of the guy who was killed filed a wrongful death complaint mm. in may 2019 and he was seeking compensation in excess of fifteen thousand dollars plus costs but it was voluntarily dismissed fifteen thousand that's all he wanted yeah but he ended up stepping down and not going ahead with it in the end. And I don't know. I feel like maybe it is a little bit like, oh my God, my son's dead. Like, okay, obviously terrible, <laughs> etc. Then being like, oh, the guy's in a band. 
I can make some money off this. Yeah, well, I mean, so I'm a true crime expert here. And uh, <laughs> what a lot of people do tend to do that where if they can't get someone convicted for what they believe like the person should be convicted for it, they'll file <coughs> a wrongful death, but sue them for like millions. Yeah. I uh, suppose you could have looked for more. Joe Soap, like. Yeah. Mm. Well, you didn't go ahead with it in the end, so that was Weird. it. Weird. Yeah, mm, that's it. Suspicious. So this all came out kind of just around the tour was announced where they, a day to remember were going to support Bring Me the Horizon, mm-hmm. which I went to. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I went, I saw them in Stuttgart in January of this year and they were absolutely they were supposed to... incredible. They did, oh. they did do it. Oh, sorry. I thought So I, he, Joshua I... left, but like the band continued with the tour, but a lot of fans were asking Bring Me to take them off the roster. Oh. And a lot of people have cancelled a day to remember. Yeah. A lot of people because they're saying, okay, Joshua stood down, but these allegations were going on for 10 years and nobody said anything. And did they not address it whatsoever? No. Mm. They've never addressed any of the allegations, not like the dick pics or like nothing. See, it is one of those awkward things where, I don't know. Well, if I find out you're sending pictures of your privates to children, (laughs) I'm going to say something clear. (laughs) What would you say though? Like, what can you say is what I've, like nothing they say is going to, I make just disown you better. as a person. I'm sorry. <laughs> I oh, don't yeah, I think we could be friends. <laughs> I mean, they should openly disown. Yeah, someone. and they never have. And like, I suppose it is hard when you've been friends with someone for that many years. But also, I know you like a million years, and I still would disown you if you were pedophile. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Speaking of pedophiles, are we going to talk about the fact? What? Like the number one pedophile got stabbed. Oh yeah, in exciting news, <laughs> Ian Watkins was stabbed in prison. My dudes, what a day. What a oh, day to be alive. It's just what a day to remember. Full circle. <laughs> the sickest part about that though is they're talking about his teenage girlfriend coming to visit him. Yeah, I, I read a lot of stuff and it, like honestly it brought back up the whole case and mm. I read way too much about the case when it happened mm. and way too many details that I never wanted to remember no. and now this has refreshed it in my mind isn't great no but yeah hearing about the fact that he has a teenage girlfriend who now visits him in prison like a convicted paedophile like yeah Ugh. I didn't realise as well it was his ex-girlfriend that sold him out originally mm. yeah fair play anyway moving on yeah that was good news we were going to mention it on the last episode and then both of us completely forgot and the next day I text Claire and I was like I can't believe we didn't even talk about how Ian Watkins was stabbed (laughs) number one purpose so hopefully all the paedophiles get stabbed that's the moral of the story that's the moral of the story Um, well the moral of the story is that I did see a day to remember in January and they were so good and like I don't want them to be cancelled but also don't think you should be friends with paedophiles yeah, I just find the whole thing so awkward because you're dead right. Like, if you were a paedophile, I obviously would be like, well, that's that. I wouldn't be like, hey, guys, it's grand. Like, she didn't really mean it. <laughs> she voluntarily stepped down from the podcast. And, and all she's is good. still really nice. <laughs> like, No one would ever say that about me. <laughs> that's true, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's it. So, so mm. let me, let's talk about our songs <laughs> on that bum note. Our songs to remember and to skip. Yeah. Remember to oh, your, What's your song to remember to skip? <laughs> you go first. My song to skip is, uh, I think, actually, it's a controversial one. 
It's called You Had Me At Hello and it's off one of their first albums. Oh. And it's just, I just find it really, really cheesy and I think it is a bit of a classic. Like, I think people like it, but I know, it's just like, you had me at hello. I'm just like, oh, I can't. I can't. Every time I'm like, Ooh. My song Nerves. to skip, I also think it's a bit cheesy. I just couldn't cope with it. Only money. Oh, God, yeah. That was like, really was, cheesy. It was only money. That's the one that's just like, my mom said. or my, uh, oh, I don't know what Why do people is. start talking about their families and songs? I just I can't. find that it's the way they say it. And I think they're trying to be all deep and stuff. And I just find it so awkward. Like, the accents don't help either. And they're like, mom said. And I was like, please. Like, <laughs> no. Zoli <laughs> Yeah, no, that is that's an exceptionally bad song, to be fair. Song. And what is your song on repeat? Oh, I just have to be so cliche because I first of all I don't know most of the songs and second of all, it's just to me it's just yeah, them. Da 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 let's go. I have a surprising song on repeat because I have a lot of favourite A Day to Remember songs, but my song on repeat isn't one of them. So I'm just going to preface this with saying, I won't know what the song is anyway, but go for it. Uh, it's the song Bloodsucker from one of their newer albums. Oh. And I I looked up, as I do, looked up the set list before I saw them in January and it was on the set list and I hadn't listened to any of their newer stuff, but I made a playlist of the set list and I was listening to it. Such a little catchy bop. bop. And then this time around, when I was listening to them, every time I came on, I was like, We'll just listen to that one again. It's like, Bloodsucker! Oh, I love that. It's, it's, it's a vibe. It's a whole vibe. I need to listen to that. And I also need to listen to this marshmallow thing. Oh, that's a really good song. We'll put it on the playlist. Put if you don't know, we make a playlist for every episode that we make. Yeah. Where we put all of our favourite songs by the band onto one playlist for your listening yeah, pleasure. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to them. <laughs> so if you don't know where to start... Listen to the playlist. It's a good start. We have one for every episode that we've made so far. Oh my god, I've just given up talking. <laughs> Words aren't working. Maybe I'll listen to our own playlist for this one. Yeah, Sing that's actually a good one. show. What band are you gonna do next? I'm excited about this one. You told me like weeks ago. You're oh, like, I, I know, know what band I'm gonna do. So at this whole time, I've been like, what is it? Okay, I'm gonna give you a clue. <clears throat> oh shit! You I'm ready? This. Yeah. If you don't get this, then. So cut my wrists and black my eyes. Oh, Hawthorne Heights. Yeah. I like, I've never listened to them. I know. <laughs> so I'm The doing... classic emo band. Yes, I feel like they're a classic, classic emo band who I did not get to see when I went to Slam Dunk and I'm devastated about it. And they have some newer stuff as well, mm. which I have heard and I quite like it. So I'm excited to listen to them. Okay. Absolutely nothing about them. Nothing at all. I'm excited that you're excited about their music because I don't know how to feel about having to listen to their whole back catalogue. <laughs> I don't think they have a lot of back catalogue, to be fair. Okay. Maybe they do, I haven't a clue. Well, we'll find out, I suppose. But I'm excited. If you want to stay up to date with this, follow us on our social media. We are Foundations of Emo on TikTok and Instagram. And we are on X <laughs> at Foundations Ew. Emo. Just call it Twitter. I really want to delete it because I just hate it all together. I deleted my own account. I only have the Foundations page now. Oh, I was wondering why my feed was so quiet. <laughs> and weirdly, I've actually gotten into posting more on, on the Foundations Twitter now. But um, yeah, I mean, follow us on Instagram is probably where we're... Yes. I repost stuff as well from other people and post a lot of our stuff. We have new content like nearly every day. Yeah. And if you want to give us ideas for bands or ones you want to hear, let us know. And... 
If you really are enjoying this podcast, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify or yeah. wherever you listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that we just discovered was a thing? We were like, hey, did you know that somebody's <laughs> given us a five-star review? <laughs> we were like, we have ten five-star reviews, guys. We've made it. Is that like... Um, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. <laughs> it's like uh, on Tinder, what you call that thing? Super like... Where it's like, was that an accident? Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, accidentally, they were trying to put one star and they accidentally did five stars. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.